we're getting back into some rhythms. Now 2023 feels like a good year to reset things. When I think about the term reset, there's a couple of word pictures that come to mind. I think about my house, we've got a big family and a lot of electronic devices. So sometimes when everyone's on the device, we have to reset the internet router or the modem that is. And so I'll go and I'll push a button. And that's what I'm thinking of, that reset button. And people will panic in the house. What happened to the internet? But after it resets, all that clutter, all that clutter kind of gets refreshed. And and that's what I hope uh, the Lord can do in your life. Can reset some things where there's been clutter, now there's clarity. Where there's just been things have moved kind of slowly, now there's an acceleration. There's, there's a speed, there's a, a sense of movement. And those are, that, that's something that I hope occurs for you in 2023. There's another word picture that came to mind too when it comes to the word reset. About 10 years ago, I was coaching little league football and my son Luke was on the team. We were at the part of the season where the coaches were still on the field with the players as we're trying to show them how to line up and that type of stuff. And after a play ended, I heard Luke say, Dad! And the tone of his voice really caught my attention. And guys, I don't, I don't want to be gross or anything here, but he had broken his arm, and it was just, it didn't, he was still standing, he was coming to me, but his arm just looked terrible. Let's just put it that way. And so we got him, I looked over, my wife Beth was on the sidelines with the other moms talking, and so I said, Beth, don't panic. And then she looked at Luke, and it was, it was a, really a, kind of a traumatic break. We took him to the hospital, and they were able to help him. And what they did is they reset his arm. They reset his arm. They put a cast on it. And sometimes when we, we talk about reset, we, we think it's going to be this powerful, fresh, big, sudden change. Like, all oh, the clutter's gone, and now it's the new me. And that can happen sometimes, and I hope that happens for you. But I also want you to see the word picture of reset as something that is broken is now being healed. And it's that brokenness that, that is a process often to be healed. And so the things are back in place. The Lord is putting things back in place and it's going to take a while for the healing to come. But here's what happens. When the healing comes, things are stronger than they've ever been. And that's what I hope, I hope can occur in your life. And through the work of Jesus, it can happen and it can occur. We're going to read Isaiah 42 at the end of the reading. I'll present this as a word of the Lord. If you want to join me and say, thanks be to God, we are thankful for his word. We'll resist. Reset your vision. Reset your vision. I believe this scripture will speak to you. Starting in verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Now, here's a description of the Lord. And and I find these words so uplifting. Who created the heavens and stretched them out. Who spread out the earth and what comes from it. Who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. Isn't it great? We have a God with a personality, a name, an identity. And we see that in the creator there. Verse six, I am the Lord 
Now, those words there, Lord, capitalized, I am Yahweh. He's a God with a name. I am Yahweh. I have called you for a righteous purpose, and I will hold you by your hand. I will watch over you, and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations in order to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those sitting in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord. I am, I am Yahweh. That is my name. And I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. Verse 9. The past events have indeed happened. Now I declare new events. I announce them to you before they occur. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, here's the first observation I have about this. God's vision reveals. God is revealing things to us. He's giving us vision for the future. So we talk about vision, and vision is one of those things that can come and go in from our lives. What, where do we get a vision? I think a lot of times we get a vision for our life when we have time to think about our life. Because see, a vision is just a picture of the future. A vision is seeing into the future. And it can be a negative vision. We don't want to focus on that, but you can have a negative vision for the future. God wants you to have a positive vision for the future. And that is seeing into the future with a preferred outcome. This is the way I am now, but this is who I want to be in the future. This is where... The business is now, this is where the church is now, this is where the group is, this is where the organization, but we have a preferred future and we have a vision. And we want to get from A to B. We know where we are in A and now we want to see into the future how to get to the next place. Now, it takes a lot of different things to engineer vision, so to speak, but at the most basic level, thinking You've got to have time to think. And I know this is when I'm not in a healthy place, I don't have time to think as much. So when, when I'm concerned about, about the most basic things in my life, I'm not financially healthy, my marriage isn't healthy, maybe I'm not physically healthy with things I can control. I know there's a lot of things physically we can't control, but things I can control, I'm not healthy there. And those things become distractions. You know, in your marriage, if you, if you are struggling in your marriage, that means there's often lots and lots of talking about the relationship. At least I've heard that from other people, right? Right? Because I don't ever have marriage issues, right? So <laughs> some of you who know my wife's laugh are now laughing at her laugh. So when you're always dealing, there's no margin for error when you're at a tough season in your marriage. So it takes up a lot of your mind space. And, and you, can't, you can't think into the future. 
because you're concerned about your marriage. And that applies to family issues. That applies to financial issues. It's great when we can be in a place of financial surplus because then we're not just always worried about the next need. We're not always there, but that's the goal to get there. So the Lord will give us wisdom to get there. And so when you start having margin in your mind and emotions, then you begin to think about the future. You begin to see the future. You begin to see a preferred future. That is a vision, and that vision is often the beginning of a call. Often when we see where we want to go, more importantly, we see where God wants to take us. That's the start of a call. The vision begins to call us forward. Because here's the truth. The truth is this, a mature vision is not really a vision about you. In fact, I don't really like the title of my sermon. I was like, well, this, is, I don't like the title. I know there are some people out there like, that title is not very good title. But I thought it would interest some people. Because the title of my sermon is Reset Your Vision. Well, I want you to do that. But here's how you reset your vision. And here's a mature vision is it's God's vision for your life. A mature vision is God's vision for your life. So the call to reset your vision means you find God's vision for your life. And so as we move into places of health, we have time, our energy to think about a preferred future. And then the Holy Spirit and scripture leads us into the thoughts of the Lord for our future and where we want to be. God, I believe, is wanting to reveal the future to us. I don't think God usually gets into a lot of specifics. Scripturally, yes, there are examples of him getting into specifics. And maybe every once in a while he'll do that for you. And you might need that or it might be pertinent to your life. But when I'm talking about him revealing the future for you, that is a type of person you want to be. Who do you want to be? What type of character do you want to have? What kind of spiritual fruit do you want to see in the people you care for the most? What, what type of manifestation of the things of God do you want to see in your future? This is the type of vision God gives us. That's why verse 6, I love the beginning of verse 6. It says it this way. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. Look at these words. I have called you for a righteous purpose. And I want you to see this as you begin to see the vision for your life. You begin to imagine the future. You begin to see what can be. It's not for self-fulfillment, but it's for God's purposes through you. Now, here's, here's the part. Here's the, I guess the benefit of this. When you get God's purposes right, you get everything right. I, I want to promise you something. This is, in the, this is promised in the word, but I, I just have seen this from human nature. I've seen it in my life and in the lives of others. If you're on the path of righteousness, if you're in God's purpose with the things that matter, which is a heart that loves him, a heart that is shaped by him, you will be more yourself in the future than you've ever been. You really find yourself by dying to yourself. It's when you begin to lay down who you are and your, and, and, and your dreams and you say, God, what do you want? And what are your dreams? Then you actually become the person you've always wanted to be. You're never more alive. You're never more creative. You're never more energized. You don't have 
ideas and vision, you never have as much of that as when you are walking in the will and purpose of God. The enemy tries to deceive and tries to think that uh, walking in the paths of righteousness is going to restrict our options, is going to restrict our creativity, is going to take away opportunity. That is a deception of the enemy. The truth is when God begins to lead you in his righteous will for his life, his righteous purpose, as the scripture says in verse six, all of a sudden life begins to look different, feel different. You begin to respond differently. And I want you to hear this too, is though in my experience, it's not often that God gives you specifics for the future. God has something even better than that. God has all kinds of surprises. I'm going to tell you, God has some surprises for you that he's just waiting. He's waiting to give them to you at the right time because he is so wise and he is so good. He knows what you need when you need it. He's called you to a righteous purpose. Now we go all the way to verse nine, the end of this passage, because this is the scripture that's a great New Year scripture. It's a great scripture to have as a plaque, a post-it note on your mirror, um, a tattoo. For those of you who like to tattoo scriptures, man, you guys are godly people who tattoo scriptures. I, I remember when it was scandalous to uh, have a tattoo as a Christian. Now it's like let's put scripture on. So hey, praise God, let the word of the Lord spread. Right, verse nine. The past events have indeed happened. I like that phrase. You know, sometimes we say, let's forget the past. And, and Philippians calls us to do that. But it doesn't mean we don't know that the past occurred. It means we're not letting the past impact our, our today or impact what God has. I like how the Lord says the past events have indeed happened. Now I declare new events. I announce them to you before they occur. This vision of God showing, showing us specific things and things about our future. And sometimes they're specific, but most of the time they're about our character. They're about who we are going to be, the type of person we're going to develop into. These are the things that God has for us. He shows us these things. I, I believe this. I believe that that as we go into a new season, we know this, that God is eternal. God doesn't need dates, right? He's always been, and he will always be. But God is resetting this vision. He's either healing maybe a broken vision, or he is taking out the clutter and bringing clarity again. And he's saying, I know the circumstances of your life, but now I'm going to say there's a new work. Now, Isaiah is a complicated book, the dating of Isaiah. So there's, there's been a lot of, 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 I guess, debate and maybe new understanding in the last couple hundred years. So this chapter 42, now scholars believe, was a, a time when uh, Israel, excuse me, the Jews were in captivity in Babylon. And so on this particular portion of scripture, um, th these are people who had been taken from their homeland, most likely, who were in an unpreferred situation. They were in a situation where maybe they had not imagined being away from their ancestral homeland. God said, I know what's happened. I know about the exile. I know about you being dispersed where you're not supposed to be. I know about that, but I'm going to declare 
new events for you. I want to tell you this, that God sees the challenge of the last several years in your life. God sees maybe the relationship that ended that feels crippling sometimes when we lose a significant relationship in our life, whether it's from a divorce or whether it's just our best friend that shunned us or whether it's from an estrangement from a family member. And it feels like just something's been ripped from us. Part of who we are has just been ripped from us and we feel like we're not whole again. And, and that, that pain, that pain can be paralyzing. I just feel the Lord saying, Hey, I know about that. I, I know that the past indeed, the past events indeed have happened, but now I declare new events. I declare fresh opportunity. I declare new surprises. I declare to you that there's something unexpected that is good for you and you're going to be more yourself and you're going to be more of who I've called you to be because that is a characteristic of our God. Here's number two. God's vision blesses. God's vision blesses. God has chosen to bless the world. It's God's desire that human beings on this planet earth receive a blessing through him. And that's what he wants. And we're already blessed as human beings. As human beings, we're made in the image of God. We are higher than the animals. We're able to uh, remember the past. We're able to think about the future. We're able to plan. We have self-determination. These concepts are part of us being in the image of God. We can, we can reflect. We can dream. We can uh, make decisions based off the knowledge we have now and our future hopes and dreams. This is a gift from God. And, and God has already blessed us as human beings, but God wanted to have covenant with his people. So he chose one family, Abraham and his line through Isaac and his line through Jacob. And he said, this is the family. This is the tribe. We call them Jews today. We're going to bless the world through the Jews. And we're going to bless the world. That's why in every generation, there has been a demonic attack upon the survival of the Jews. Please don't participate in anti-Semitic jokes. Please don't support anti-Semitic policies because it's not just a civic decision or a cultural habit. It is inspired by the demonic attack that wants to destroy God's plan to bless the world. And God blessed the world through the Jewish people. And they held to the Torah. And they held to the promises of God. And they held to the shalom of God. And they did that not just in Jerusalem, but dispersed all over this planet. They held on to the things of God. And in the known world, uh, the Jews were all over the known world. And then Jesus came in Bethlehem. Jesus came as a Jew. And then everything changed. He grafted people like me. I'm a Gentile. And he grafted me in to his plan. God's plan to bless the world through Abraham's seed, through one family. Now that family has expanded to all families and all people. Through Jesus, we have access to God. The mystery of God is taken away. The, mankind has always had this mystery with God. Like, who is God? 
How can I relate to God? How can we hear from God? Is there an afterlife? Is there, is there a meaning beyond the 100 years we may get here? These are all questions men and mankind and women have struggled with. They have all been culminated and answered through the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came as a Jew, but he came for the whole world. And his message wasn't just limited to Jerusalem and Judea and Galilee. His message has spread and spread and spread all over the world until now we're here in the middle of these woods that are called Tennessee. And here we have a light right here to receive the gospel. Acts chapter 10 is one of the, is very important part of God's story for humanity. Um, Acts chapter 10 is where Cornelius received the Holy Spirit. And so it was obvious, well, Gentiles, people like me, can receive the Holy Spirit. I don't have to be Jewish. I, 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 I don't have to have a bloodline biologically to Abraham. Now I can receive the Holy Spirit because I believe Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. It's such a remarkable story. We've, getting, we've gotten so used to it that sometimes we forget how special it is. And so Peter, as he's explaining this, we're going to look at a short passage beginning in verse 34 through 43. And I want you to be blessed. The things Peter say I know many of you here this morning are things that you probably know, you've been told, you've been taught, but read them in a fresh way and receive them today. Starting with verse 34, Peter began to speak. Now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation, a nation there is talking about every ethnic group. So in every time there's a, there's a group of people in every little tribe, every little family, whether they're Eskimos and now what we know is the North Pole or Indians or what we call Native Americans in North and South America, on and on. All of these people, all of these people, every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Verse 36, he sent the message he sent a message to the Israelites proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know the events that took place through all Judea beginning from, the, from Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. We ourselves are witnesses of everything he did in both the Judean country and in Jerusalem. And yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. God raised this man on the third day and caused him to be seen. Not by all the people, but by us from whom God appointed as a witness who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He, commend, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God. Look at this phrase. We see this in the Apostles' Creed. To be the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him. That through his name, look at this phrase, everyone who believes him receives forgiveness of sins. What a, what a celebration. What a realization. This, this is the season of epiphany that we started Friday, which is about awakening. It's about light. And it's about Jesus being given to the whole world. 
It started with the Jews and we honor the Jews, but it didn't stay with the Jews. Now Jesus is for the whole globe, the whole planet. Everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. I want you to hear this because God wants to bless the world and he wants to bless the world through you. That's why your morality, that's why your, your choices, that's why your, your concept of God and your thoughts about God are not just about you. We, we think that we're, we're trained to be self-aware. We're trained to be self-centered. How does this affect me? How does this impact my life? How does this impact my career? How does this impact my future? We've been trained to do that. I got to choose the right courses in high school to get into the right college, to get into the right career, to be qualified to buy the house, on and on and on. And these, this is how we work in our economy and our culture. And so we're trained to think about us. We're trained to think about me, but here's where fulfillment happens is when we know this, is that we are called to glorify God. We are called to manifest the greatness of God and we are called to bless the Lord. I want you to hear this. Your walk with God, the things you say, your facial expressions, the things that you type, the things that you text, the things that you post are meant to bless the world. You're supposed to fill the world with truth and repentance and light and fill the world with with who Jesus is. And when you move towards that, when you make movements towards that, you're never more alive. You're never more whole. You're never more fulfilled. You're never more who you're truly called to be when you walk in the light of his glory. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to bless the world. He chose Abraham. He manifested to Jesus. And now it's for all of us. We're all going to bless the world. Here's number three. God's vision keeps. God's vision keeps. And I love this term keeps. Let's look at verse six. He says, I'm the Lord. I've called you for a righteous purpose and I will hold you by your hand. That's a beautiful, beautiful word picture here. Now let's look at this in the NIV. And this, this is the NIV and ESV and the New King James all use the word keep. And that's the word I like today. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of you. Look at this. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Here's the great thing about the maturity of God's vision for our lives. When we get into God's vision, which is self-fulfilling and which makes us more alive in who we are, God doesn't just give you a vision and an idea for your future and say, and he doesn't say that and, and then kind of give us the attitude of good luck. I hope you can get there. I hope you can get from point A to point B. No, he keeps us. And that word keeps, it, it, it communicates, he watches and defends. He watches over our lives and he defends. And I want you to hear this this morning. Part of being in covenant with God and God's vision for your life means that God doesn't just tell you where to go. God is with you until you get there. And God's not just with you till you get there. God is watching out for things that you're not even thinking about. I want you to hear this today. We have a God who keeps us. He watches over us. He protects us. He watches our, our backside. He watches our blind spots. This is why in the days to come, there may be times that you don't 
perceive that you have favor when you want favor. You may not perceive that you have connections when you want connections. You may not perceive that people notice you. But I know this from scripture and I know this from personal experience. Sometimes when I've been disappointed because I feel like I've been overlooked or excluded or not appreciated or I didn't have favor with someone or a group that I want to favor with, it was God's way of protecting me. It was God's way of keeping me because he loves us so much that he, his vision for our life means he doesn't just tell us where to go. He gets us there and he protects us along the way. So don't despair. Don't let maybe disappointment with God be the place that stops your progress with God. Instead, let disappointment with God maybe be an opportunity to see he's a God who keeps you and he protects you and he may not open a certain door because that door is not the right door for you. Here's the deal. He's got a better door for you because the surprises of the Lord are before you and they are good for you. Here's number four. God's vision glorifies God. That, that's, uh, this theme has already been talked about, but look what the scripture says here in Isaiah chapter 42, verse eight. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. And again, I want to emphasize, he's saying, I'm someone with a personality, an identity, a name. I'm someone with a track record. I'm not, I'm not like the other gods who are conveniently made up. Not like the other gods who are relevant to the day are relevant to the season. Here is the God that says, I am Yahweh. That is my name. And I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. Verse nine, the past events have indeed happened. They've indeed happened. Now I declare new events. I announce them to you before they occur. Here's, here's the great thing about resetting your vision. You reset your vision and then your vision becomes God's vision. And when it becomes God's vision, you're more alive than you've ever been. You're more who you're supposed to be, who you've been designed to be. You feel more alive. You feel more right, not because you're getting glory, but because God's getting glory and God has designed you to give him glory. This is, this is a great trick of the enemy. The enemy that wants us to live in selfishness, being self-absorbed, being focused on who we are. Man, it happens. It happens to all of us. It's a struggle for me. It's a struggle for you. I'm able to preach good about this because I've had to fight through it in my life, fight through it in my ministry. I'm not here as an expert telling you what to do. I'm here as a sojourner saying, let's do it together. Let's live for his glory. Let's, let's live for the attention of God and not self-attention. This is what we're called to do. And when we do that, when we do that, we see that the Lord does works that we cannot imagine and life is a surprise and life is fun and life is interesting. And even when life hands us some very difficult things, there is still a glory in the suffering. There's a glory in the challenge. There's a glory in, in the adversity. There's a glory in that he gets the glory and it just doesn't make sense. I don't want to belittle your pain. I'm not trying to say I understand your situation. I can't understand. I can't empathize enough for what you're going through, what challenge you have. But I can witness and I can point to a God who's not going to leave you, a God who's not going to abandon you, a God who's not going to check out, a God who will never ignore you. Here's the deal. It's happened to all of us and it will happen again. Someone will 
not text you back one day and they'll never text you back again. Someone will not return that call. Someone will not invite you to that group. Someone will not be there when you need them the most. I've got a good marriage. I've got a healthy marriage, but I want to tell you this is that your spouse, I can't fulfill certain things for Beth and she can't fulfill certain things for me that only God can do. Your spouse cannot fulfill a certain part of your heart. A father that you may have never known, a mother that you've never been close to, uh, the desire for children, the desire for a spouse, the desire for recognition professionally. These things may be uh, desires of you that you have and God may give those to you. But even when you get the best, it's not good enough if you don't have God connected to your heart. The Lord can only fill a certain void in your life. He has been designed to be the only one who can fulfill that because that keeps us dependent upon him and we give him the glory and praise for that. That's why our psalm for the day, this was sung by God's people. This was sung by Jesus. That's why the psalms are so powerful. Jesus sung this song as he sang through uh, these, these scriptures in his time here on earth. Ascribe to the Lord, this is Psalm 29, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Further down in verse 10, we, we read this song. The Lord is enthroned over the flood. What does that mean? That could probably mean a lot, but the flood is the mystery. You know, floods come from all directions. Floods come at unexpected times. Floods are uncontrollable. That which is uncontrollable, that which is mysterious, uh, that which is uncertain, the Lord is enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned king forever. The Lord gives his people strength The Lord blesses, put that last slide up there. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses his people with peace. This is what happens when we're living for the glory of the Lord. There's more strength and peace than we could ever imagine. I want to tell you, you have access to a source of strength and a source of peace that will never run out that will never be unavailable, that will always be something that you can access because it's the strength of the Lord and it's a peace of the Lord and it's found in his presence and it's found in his will. I'm calling you to reset the vision for your life. But when you reset the vision, you find out that your vision is actually God's vision for you. And when you begin to see God's vision for your life, you see that we ascribe Glory to the Lord, to the King. He's above the flood. He's above the mystery. He's above the unexplainable. He's above the darkness. He's above that which feels like it suffocates us and that which will overtake us. It will not overtake us because the Lord is above the flood and he is the King. That means he's above every principality, power of this world, everything that's set up in the heavenly realms. The the Lord is King over all things. And he gives strength and peace to his people. And so expect that in the days to come. Expect those times when you feel weak and those times you feel confused and those times you feel perplexed. Expect the help of the Lord. Expect the help of the Lord. I want to just tell you this story. I didn't tell this at 9 a.m., but this is going to be for someone. In, In the last couple of months, 
There was a day where this overwhelming fear came over me. Um, it was a fear that was irrational. It was, a, it, was, it was a thought that came to my mind that I had never had before. In, in my mind, it was like, this could be, this is one of the worst thoughts that I could have. Like my worst fears came over my mind. And, and it was something that came over me. And, and, and I was like, oh, Lord, Lord, I need your help with this. And, and how I was able, able to work through that. And this is what I did is, is I do journal. And journal means just write down whatever you need to write down. I actually type it out usually. And I typed out this. I said, Lord, I am, I am fearful of this situation. I, I have had thoughts that, that I can't even, I never have imagined before about this. And I need to give this to you. And as I typed that out, I worked that out of my mind. And I felt the presence of God come. I felt the presence of God come over me and help me. I'm thankful for counselors. And listen, I've I've been to counselors before and I will go to counselors again. I'm thankful for professionals in the mental health and we need to pray for those professionals. I'm grateful for pastoral counseling, but sometimes you can't get to a pastor fast enough and you can't get to a counselor fast enough. And there's not an opening and there's not a chance, but you've got a God who can understand you. You have a God who can work you through that. And I want to tell you, my experience was that, that very quickly I felt God's presence come through. I think the act of typing it out was a good thing for me. And, that, and the act of typing it out, here's a good thing about typing something out. You can delete it afterwards. And that's obviously an important point to do. You never want to write down anything you don't want someone else to read. That's just a, a principle of journaling. But I just felt like I wanted some of you guys to hear about this because you can, with the help of the Lord, work through the things that are bothering you. If some of you are dreading certain days of the year, you're dreading certain places to go, you're dreading certain conversations, and dread can be a thief. It can steal your today because you're dreading something tomorrow. I, I want you to believe that the Lord can help you get through that. There's peace and there's strength from the Lord. Why? Because he is in a place of authority that we're not in. He's at a place, a vantage point that we're not in. And he is resetting the vision for your life and he is taking you somewhere. You're going to begin to see and imagine a new place, a new person. This is not some kind of hyperbole, exaggeration, hype, like I'm running a fitness club or I'm, or I'm running some kind of uh, special for, for, for uh, leadership development. No, I'm talking about a God with a character, a God with not just a track record, but with an eternity of life. A God who has been blessing his people in every generation, on every continent, in every way. He's surprising his people. And that God will not overlook you. That God will not leave you out. That God will not give to one that he doesn't give to the other. We read in Acts 10, our God doesn't show favoritism. So every blessing for me, every blessing for Jacob. Every blessing for Deborah is for every person in this room. The blessings of the Lord, the strength of the Lord flow out of the character of the Lord. And so we ascribe glory and honor to him. Hey, if you're able to, let's stand together as we go to a time of ministry. Thank you, Lord, for speaking in a unique way. I thank you for speaking in a unique way to the 1045 
crowd. I thank you, Lord, that this is a service. It's not on video. It's just us. It's just us. It's just the 120 people here, maybe. It's just us here today. It's just the hundred of us here today. This is the love of the Lord. The Lord has set his love upon you. The Lord has given me words, not because of, of my power, but because of his power. He's given me something like you have a new idea. You see a new pathway. You've got new hope today. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a new thought. There's a new pathway. There's a new potential within you. You, you. you can dream again. And the Lord wants you to begin to think again. Going back to something that I said earlier, that like some of you have been scared to think about the future because there's been so much disappointment in the past, so much brokenness in the past. But the Lord is saying, you're going to begin to think good thoughts again. You're going you're to begin to see that there's a future for you. There's a hope for you. There's an opportunity for you that things will improve. I want to speak this over you. You won't always have that temper. You won't always have that besetting sin. You won't always have that bad habit. You won't always keep making that same financial mistake. You won't always uh, keep disrupting the family gathering. You are going to be a person who will change. You're going to be transformed. You're going to be renewed by the power of the gospel, by the power of Jesus. There's a new vision. It's God's vision for your life. It's a vision where you're full of peace. You're full of strength. You're stronger than you've ever been. You're more centered. You're centered in a way you've never been centered before. You're focused in a way you've never been before. And the Lord has in your future laughter. He has in your future laughter. He's going to fill your mouth with laughter. He's going to fill your eyes with hope. He's going to fill your mind with the thoughts of the Lord. He's going to begin to allow you to think again and dream again. And it won't be something that is just artificial that you produce to write down on a piece of paper or to to, uh, do a corporate assignment or a school assignment. No, it's from who you are and who he is in you. And this is what the Lord is stirring in us today.